Welcome to Slice and Warren. I'm Jody Balma. And today we're wrapping up the November 2022 election season. Lee Fink is an expert on Orange County politics and elections. He has extensive experience in political and campaign law. He worked for the campaign staff of Obama, Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams' fair fight against voter suppression, in addition to his extensive and impressive bio, which you can read in the show notes. He also published a daily analysis of the Orange County election results, which was invaluable for those of us that were anxiously awaiting the 5 p.m. daily updates from the Orange County Register of Voters. So... I brought him on and he joins me to dive into the data, talk general election trends, voter patterns, and discuss the winners and losers of the 2022 election. We had so much to cover, we're going to uh, break it into two episodes. So let's get started with part one. So welcome to A Slice of Orange, our final wrap-up on the election. I'm here with Lee Fink uh, talking about the election returns in Orange County and what we can expect for 2024. So thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking about this and, and looking more forward to seeing what happens in, in the future years. In fact, That's the fun part about the elections is uh, diving into the data. Um, so it's fun to talk to somebody else who's diving into the granular. Uh, so tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're interested in politics. Sure. So I've been, um, I've been interested in politics since I was a kid. Um, you know, I read the look it up book of presidents when I was in third grade, but, um, and, I love and that. Yeah. It's, I love and, that. Um, it's it really, it got, it's what got me interested at first, but I also sort of, uh, was born into it. My, my, my parents were involved. My father ran for the state assembly here in orange County in 1988. Uh, against uh, John Lewis, um, who wow. uh, is still an active political consultant, and you know he got beat very badly. It was it was seventy five to twenty. I'm assuming he ran as a Democrat. He's, yes, he's a Democrat in Orange County. In Orange with, County, I know 1988 well because that's when I moved down here for college. And as I shared before, uh, yeah, that was a going behind the iron, iron, the orange curtain of republicanism for me. Exactly. And those were the days when Orange County really was uh, like that. And, I, you know, it's funny because I still know, uh, you know, a lot of the people that I know and talk to today are, are still involved in those days. Uh, John Hanna, who's on the um, North Orange County Community College Board and, and with the Carpenters Regional Council, uh, was the party yeah. chair who recruited my father to run for that seat back in the day. And I was rooting for him, not knowing any of that. But uh, exactly. anybody anybody who faces Steve Rocco gets my undying support. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I was involved from a young age, and and uh, uh, my my stepmother was involved in the in the party. Uh, she was very active in the AD committees uh, that were you know key to organizing back at, in that period in time. Right. Uh, she actually was one of the people that started the Truman dinner in the mid nineties. Uh, and so, what a legacy, what a legacy. Yeah, it, it grew up um, yeah. and, and it has, has faltered in part because of the pandemic the last couple of years. So I'm not sure where that ends up, but it spent a lot of time. So I, I became involved early on. Uh, uh, I knocked on doors, you know, and, and posted up signs for my father in 88 briefly. I was in, I was in party headquarters at Frank Barbero's, office on election yeah. day i took the day off uh and we got and we got calls uh, you know i remember hearing the calls come in 
from precincts in Santa Ana where there were uniformed security guards um, in the Kurt Kringle, Rick Tierbach race. Sure. That ultimately led two years later to Tom Umberg being elected. And of course, Umberg's now you know, yeah. still in the legislature or again in the legislature. So I've, I've been involved in a long time and, and I, I pursued that. I you know, went on um, and, and became involved myself. It was elected to you know, the state uh, committee as an ADEM many times. Went to law school and pursued um, pursued the law and pursued campaigns. I worked on John Garamendi's uh, statewide campaign in, in 2002 as his press liaison uh, when he ran for insurance commissioner the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, went up and worked on the Obama campaigns in 08, 12, um, and then actually got very involved in voter protection issues um, and uh, was a deputy voter protection director and a voter protection director and then consulted for Hillary and for Fair Fight, Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight in 2020, and it pursued that and merging of the interest of law and politics. Uh, and I served in the Obama administration. Uh, I was at the White House briefly at NASA for a while, and then at the Department of Agriculture for uh, three and a half years. And, and uh, when I came home, Orange County really uh, wasn't uh, the the outlier iron, you know, right. Curtain that it used right. to be. It was yeah. merging swing and um, was very involved in, in Katie Porter's uh, election in 2018, ran myself for the Tustin City Council in 2020, and uh, and always watched the results. Had had Through that time, I gained a, a good understanding of how these results turned out. It was better than, you know, that first 1988 uh, election. I, you know, these names may not you know, you may not remember him, but Jerry Udelson was running against Bob Dornan. And I distinctly remember remember telling Jerry Udelson at, where, at wherever the Democratic election night party was that year, when the results were written on a chalkboard somewhere. Oh, sure. Uh, I said, well, it's early, you know, things will things will turn out. But they didn't. They didn't get better for, for him, obviously. But I, I, I've learned more uh, uh, since that time. Uh, well, so and, that was, and, you know. It's it's fun to hear that history because, of course, you know, I, I was a student at Cal State Fullerton in the political science department, and, but but not getting that kind of uh, inside access. And so just watching it from beyond and reading about it and, and really, you know, so many of those names that you've just said are the reason that we have a Democratic um, Party in Orange County. And the, the people who were willing to put their names on the ballots, like your dad, you know, somebody willing to take Bob Dornan is why eventually you know, in 1996, Loretta Sanchez is able to win, right. you know, Jay right. Chen running against uh, Ed Royce in 2012 starts to give you hope that, that some of these seats are not so intractable and that, right. and that you can actually have that. And so I, I have a lot of respect and praise for the Democrats who were pushing that, that rock up the hill to, to get Democrats elected. Yeah. And that was, and that was, you know, getting the 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 camel's nose under the tent, you know, when right. Tom Umberg won in 1990, the first right. time to get a, a Democrat elected in the legislature again. And that, yes. you know, led to Loretta and it led to the whole opening up that we've had over time. So it, it yeah. made a difference for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the 2022 midterm elections in Orange County. and. And I'm kind of the big picture of of what do we learn from the midterms nationally and statewide, and then 
we'll we'll dive deeper into Orange County. Yeah, I think um, I, I mean, in, in terms of the the overall sort of what we learned about it, I'm not sure that there's um, an overall big understanding of of how our politics, at least as a county, are different in 20. Uh, 22. I think we saw some, you know, we learned more in 18 and 20. I think, you know, 22 was more of a continuation. We learned a lot about um, how the votes were cast and how they're counted. And that really has been a, a revolutionary change over the last four years. But what we saw was really, I think, in terms of our politics, just sort of a um, cementing the changes that we've seen in Orange County over the last, you know, eight, you know, eight years or so. Yeah. And and, and the big question mark going into the election, of course, was redistricting and how are all these redistricts, no matter how we looked at the, how many times I looked at the maps, I just didn't know what was going to happen. So when you look at, you know, what, what do you think about the congressional? Let's start there with, with how Orange County voted with these new maps. You know, we saw young Kim and Michelle Steele win, but then Katrina Foley, beat Scott Baugh. Lou Korea was never in question. Right. Well, I, I have many thoughts. I mean, this, I have many thoughts about how the district lines were drawn, but that's probably for a podcast a year ago. That's, that's sort of done. I, I'm not really happy with the, with the new lines, but how the world worked with the lines, um, you know, it ended up being the, the incumbents all won. And I think that incumbency was sort of a big winner in the 2022 elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie Porter, had a close race in a district that was tougher for her than her old district was. Right. But she ran against probably the, you know, definitely the best opponent that she's faced in her three elections. And Scott Baugh, I mean, he'd been in the legislature. He could raise money like nobody else um, in a tougher district. And she won. And my friends on the East Coast who saw the counts and were scared. Right. um, You know, they didn't like it at first, but... um, you know, she won by almost the same margin as she won back in 2018. Yeah. So, well, it, and it it's interesting out. because, you know, that, that it's a big question every 10 years of we know the power of incumbency when you have already represented those people. Right. But does it translate when, you know, Michelle Steele had represented almost none of the people that she was asterisk incumbent for on the ballot, and yet it's still incredibly powerful? Well, I think it's powerful for a couple of reasons. And and Katie Porter was not the right. representative for a large portion of her district. Yeah. So I point out she was the representative for the heart, really the heart of her district, Irvine, and certainly the heart of her support. Yes. Um, and so it always, it you know, it always made sense for her to be there. But incumbency has all sorts of advantages that are are separate and apart from just having been before the voters. One is um obviously access to being able to raise more money. Yeah. Um, you're not trying to, you know, I mean, Katie Porter, I think tries to do about three or four jobs at a time, right? She's raising kids. She's I know she's running for Congress. She's being a Congresswoman. Uh, but she's not in 2022, what she was in 2018, also trying to be a professor of law at UCI. Correct. Correct. So get, you know, the job that you have as an incumbent is very helpful to the job that you want. So, right. you know, it's part and parcel. Um, you also get known, especially in our media market. Uh, if you've been on, you know, Katie Porter was on, and I keep using her, but that's, it's true for Young Kim. It's true for Michelle Steele. It's true for Mike Levin. A little less so for Mike Levin because of the media market. 
But if you're yeah. in the LA media market, you're known in Orange County and you're right. known throughout all of you know the LA media market. So if the lines get changed and you're representing uh, Costa Mesa and not Tustin, or if you're representing, um, you know, uh, uh, Diamond Bar, but not Huntington Beach, uh, or if you're representing Tustin, but not uh, right. North Anaheim, depending on, you know, what it is, your ads have still been on TV, your billboards have, you know, and we're a very interconnected county and region. So right. If you've got somebody whose billboards or yard signs are up in Westminster and you live in Tustin, you've seen them if you've gone through other parts. Sure. Of yeah. So and and especially of the swirl of where people live and where people work. Yes. Yes. And, and, um, uh, I actually, most days I drive through, uh, out of my congressional district through another congressional district and back into my congressional district. The yes. Way my <laughs> districts are drawn and my commute works. And I think that most people uh, actually take, I take that back. I drive out of, out of my district, uh, which is the, now it's, it's the young Kim into Lou Correa's district through Katie Porter's district and then back into young Kim's district. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's common. So incumbency has that advantage uh, beyond just the fact that you, you've you represented the person. You, you, you get known, uh, you're at events, you're at, you know, it it, it, sure. it, it has a whole bunch of, of factors. Sure. And, um, and so incumbency became, I think, valuable for, uh, for candidates this cycle. And th- those incumbents all held off. And, and, you know, Katie Porter and Mike Levin held on to tough seats despite, right. uh, you know, uh, despite sort of being new to them. Michelle Steele and Young Kim held on to those seats to, that were actually slight Biden seats, mm-hmm. uh, even though they had Republican and voter registration advantages. They were Biden vote seats. They held on to those uh, in part because of the, the, the power of that incumbency, I, I think. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other factors. Um, but I think that was a, a, a big factor. And I, and I think it translated throughout a lot of local offices as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are in the local offices are harder to tell. But Katrina Foley, who, again, represented a different area right. that she was elected to, uh, ends up ended up winning in part because being on the board of supervisors gave her um, you know, access to to a broader platform to speak on. It gave her access to support from you know, the sheriffs. Were very uh, the sheriffs right. for supportive. That was really them. curious that they yeah, supported. That's, that's unusual yeah. for a Democrat. But if you've been on the board of supervisors and and the the, the unions are looking at who is approving their um, collective bargaining agreements, right? And you know, she's supportive of the working men and women of the county. Right. And right. You know, you build some time to, to figure that out. So you 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 get connected to the stakeholders and that's advantageous. Uh, sure. And uh there's a there's a whole host of reasons why why that worked out. Um so I do think that I mean that that was one of the things. And with a low turnout, we'll talk about turnout I think a lot because turnout was yes. abysmal. But with low turnout, people were uh you know I think we're looking towards the incumbents and there weren't a lot of different deciding factors and, and probably a little bit part of 
perhaps maybe why turnout was as bad as it was is people are not as upset as they were in 2018 or 2020. Right. Um, Anger is a powerful motivator. It motivates and it's and it's why people came out. They didn't like yeah. what had happened in 2018 and they didn't like the situation in 2020. Right. And they turned out to vote. Well, if if you're more comfortable with, with the situation of your elected officials, you're less likely to, to come and, and raise a ruckus and, and right. turn out to vote. And so I think all that that's not only a, a cause but an, an effect of yeah. the economy. And and I've been talking a lot about, you know, it's hard to there, there are so few data points in our sample size. Um, when you're looking at what election to compare it to. So we know that it's a midterm election, but, you know, midterms in California are different beasts when there's a competitive race for governor to when the governor is running for re-election. So really, we don't go back to 2018, we go back to 2014, and the whole world has shifted with mail-in ballots, you know, all of these other variables that have shifted. So it's really hard to make these comparisons, but clearly there were no, you know, competitive races statewide. And so for most voters, the most competitive race was Congress or the supervisor's race for the County Board of Supervisor, or, you know, that maybe the mayor's race, which is even low in more low information than a County Supervisor. So it is hard to get turnout when you don't have fear or anger. That's right. And, And even since 2014, um, and, and and maybe this is more since 2010. Maybe 2014 is is telling. 2014 was a really bad turnout. You went back and looked at it. But the state Republican Party has died on the vine and or yep. given up. I'm not sure which. It might be both. Well, um, I I would like to dig into that a little bit more because um, John Morlock has now lost three times. Right, right. Like a well-known Republican who was championed as as the future of the Republican Party has now lost his third race. And 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 you know, I remember a day, you clearly remember it better having a front seat to this. Um, but that that the Republican Party would never have allowed there to be three candidates in a special election for the Orange County Board of Supervisors. They had more discipline. They had a party machine. And what has happened to the Republican Party that they are are incapable of that party discipline, that the machine has broken down? I mean, what what's your take it's, on it's, what happened to the Orange County Republican Party? Well, you know, there's, there's a number of factors. Um, obviously, one of them is Donald Trump. Correct. Because, um, because again, the orange curtain of Republican politics voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016 and voted for Joe Biden and, in 2020. And the result is, I mean, in 1992, and again, when I was, you know, young, uh, California was a battleground state. Clinton carried it for the, you know, it was the first Democrat to carry it for right. uh, maybe since LBJ, maybe Car- Carter Carrot might have had it in 76. So it was unusual. Um, but there was still a Republican governor through 1998. Yeah. Um, you know, Willie Brown kind of sort of lost the majority in the state assembly in 94. Right. So Republicans were competitive and, and you know, uh, they, they 
they 98 they lost all the state offices but it wasn't sort of a hopeless endeavor and yeah and um, and it even even it didn't it wasn't just arnold that they thought could bring them back dick reardon wasn't a factor in the party mm-hmm. and it's it faded but not to the degree that it has now it was a big accomplishment when democrats obtained a two-thirds majority in the legislature right so that they could pass tax bills and, and right and then they lost that for a while and now it's like there's a three-quarters majority and there's there's I don't know if anybody knows the name of the Republican who ran against Gavin Newsom. Well, I, I on the first the on the first day of fall semester, I had a very crisp $20 bill that I held up in every single class and said, this is yours if you can name the Republican running for governor without using your phones. And I went home with a $20 bill. Yeah, yeah. And in the recall, I mean, they, they knew Larry Elder. Sure. And in 2018, you know, John Cox was not an impressive figure, but but sort of was able to make a play out of it. Sure. And, uh, you know, Meg Whitman back in 2010. Oh, Meg uh, Whitman. You know, it's just, you know, spent a lot of money. But that was, I mean, sort of a case of political malpractice. But that's a different issue. Right. right. But there was still a presence. So without that statewide presence, all they, you know, all they have left is a few, some of, some of the rural counties in the, in the Central Valley. Yeah. Yeah. In Orange County. And with Orange County all of a sudden being not the Orange Curtain, being right. in Wayne County, being a place where Democrats are winning a lot of elections, they're in a very difficult place. I don't mind this as, as a Democrat. I don't mind. But um, it certainly is. There's a there's a again tur- you know what motivates turnout. One of the things that motivates turnout is anger. Another thing that motivates it is fear. And if yeah. you're not afraid of the fact that you know, and this may be a, an, an explanation for the difference between the midterm and the gubernatorial recall in 2021, people were afraid of Larry Elder. He was a scary right. idea, right? And so people turned out, and we had higher turnout in that election. But nobody was afraid of Brian Dolly because nobody knew who who he was. Correct, it wasn't the correct. And so um, that absence of the Republican Party on a statewide yes. basis is a real um, it's it's a it's, and, it's a it's a real issue for for them and how that affects them in Orange County. They're they're starting to lose traction uh, in the county too. And that's you know I don't know how you how a national Republican Party survives if it if it just doesn't exist in in the biggest. right right it's only we're the last bastion of of the california republican party it's it's sure is here but this sure this is the the metaphorical battle of the bulge for the yes absolutely absolutely and 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 you know i just sort of think like the the republican party of california could be a different brand the anti-Trump brand, and they just have struggled even to define themselves. And, and um, it's hard to be that. And, and it, you've seen Republicans in California, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, try to separate themselves from right. Donald Trump and the Trump brand. But how do you, uh, you know, how do you do that if yeah. you've got as your national standard bearer a Donald Trump? You know, McDonald's can't sell you on healthy salads right. And, right. Uh, and greens 
in California, if it's selling Correct. a Big Mac in right. 49 states. And there's right. nothing against the Big Mac. I like the Big Mac. But you just no, can't. No, that, that brand is, like. yeah, you, it's, you can't escape the brand. So let's I mean, talk big, big winners. Of, oh, go it, ahead. I just want to say, it puts on its head in a way the old notion that I'm sure you have taught your students for many years, right? All politics is local. And it used to be our parties were this national coalition of, of local interests. Right. That, that right. Up. And now it is almost the reverse. It is this national brand that tries to work within the local area. Right. And it, it works very differently. as you're saying. It's very different and, and it's hard to escape. Um, and I, and I think we've seen that. So let's talk big winners and big losers. Who are the big winners of Orange County? Uh, incumbents, like I mentioned, yeah, they, incumbents. they all sort of won the congressional levels. Uh, uh, Katrina Foley, uh, despite a tough race, Doug Chafee, despite um, facing a sort of a Democratic Party challenge, gets yeah. reelected. Uh, and I think you see in a lot of cities um, and local races, a lot of incumbents won. Uh, Steve Noblock in San Clemente, despite being highly controversial, ekes out his seat. Yeah. Um, uh, Farrakhan and Irvine, uh, despite getting a lot of grief from, from Democrats, you know, mm-hmm. wins rather comfortably in Irvine. Um, and, and, and you, you know, all of the, the entire Costa Mesa city council and mayors reelected. Um, right. so I think you see that in a lot of places. I think incumbents did very well. The democratic party is a big winner picked up. I want to say I've heard the number and I haven't looked at this, but about 20, Five local seats mm-hmm. from city councils to school boards to you know water districts, um, and it continues to make inroads on the local yeah. level. While it, while you know while Democrats have won the county on the statewide races, you know lost by about two or three points for you know Newsom and Padilla. But in 16, 18, 20, 21, right. Democrats all won the top of the ticket, but have been far behind on these local races. So now continue to pick up seats. And then I think the, the, the third big winner, you have to give some acknowledgement because if there's we're talking about the troubles the Republican Party's having in Huntington Beach, they did surprisingly well. Um, yeah. They put together a sort of a unified ticket of four council candidates and a city attorney and swept those elections by a considerable margin. Um, yeah. So they certainly got to give them credit for for success there. Yeah, it it really feels like it's, you know, it's a purple county, but then there are these pockets of deep red and deep blue um, that that kind of blend together when you when you look a little bit higher up. Um, So Orange County Board of Supervisors, the Democrats have a majority. Um, And and we knew that it was going to come down to the Katrina Foley Pat Bates race, because even though nominally nonpartisan, uh, that there were two Democrats running against each other in District 4 and two Democrats running against each other in District 2. And the Democratic Party of Orange County took sides and endorsed. Right. Um, and I, what what do you feel the fallout is for that? When Are there hard feelings? Are there, I mean... Oh, yeah, there there are. And there, and there, were, there, there are hard feelings, I think, coming out of that. And I, and I think there were hard feelings going into that, which influenced yeah. those decisions. And it's um, it's it's going to be tough for the party as a party to make those, uh, you know, to to deal with those relationships. Um, and, on the and, other hand, and, and kind of looking back to the history that we've talked about with with your biography, is this one of the growing pains of becoming a majority party? 
you know, you don't you don't have those yeah. concerns when your candidates are going to lose. Yeah, well, and and um, and I still take it personally uh, that the the way you know I'm I'm a, as a partisan, I say give me a Democrat. I'm whatever sort of yeah. flavor that Democrat might be, give me a Democrat because you know coming from Orange County, you know, growing up in the '80s and the '90s. You know, just any old Democrat would be uh, an improvement. Right. And there's right. still a lot of places in Orange County where that's true, right? So, uh, yes, yes. Uh, South County is very different from Santa Ana, where, you know, you've right. got, for instance, in Santa Ana, you've got a sort of a distinction of the council there between the seven Democrats on the council, between sort of the progressive wing and yes. sort of the more moderate wing. Yes. However, that sort of gets sliced up. Uh, so, that is a growing pain and, and figuring out how to spend those resources. There were a lot of folks who said, well, you know, why are we taking sides in races where, you know, it's going to be a Democrat either Correct. way when we've got priorities between Democrats and non-Democrats. So, right. And, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, I, I, it, it's hard to make a, a call on that either way. Uh, of course, of course. You know, this yeah. isn't to, to meant to be an indictment of, of that, of those choices, but it's a tough thing to figure out. And, and we're not there, right? We're not Los Angeles. Right. We're, where the Democrats are a majority party. And it's important for Democrats to, to take a, a side. Yeah. Player. And, and I think it's also the, the idea that the Democratic Party of Orange County has really understood and they have a ground game of those local races of city council and school board and really having slates and resources available for those local candidates that will be the next generation of of democrats and and the, and you know i do think um despite you know what what would be plenty of grief that that some activists would would level at the party for sure and, and fairly and criticisms that could be made um, a lot of which are are, are correct but uh, the party has done more I think on local races than um, in the last few cycles than than you've seen there's efforts to coordinate it's always it's always hard to do that it's always hard right. to accomplish that but it, it is it, it, it is a First of all, the Democratic Party is never going to be as disciplined as the Republican Party. I think that's the nature of sure. of what makes conservatives different than liberals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to but getting to be in a situation where resources can come to play to help those local officials or local candidates, where coordination of campaigns will help trickle from not just the governor's race and Congress race, but down to right. board of supervisors and, and city councils. That's that is something that's that's getting better for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, again, this is this election, you can clearly say the Democratic Party is a, a winner because it's done more of that this cycle than it than it did last cycle and more than, yeah. than the cycle before. And it, it continues to to expand on that. So right. uh, you know if, if the 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 it was a huge shocker, I think, in, in 2016 that was chalked up to Trump when Hillary carried Orange County. Correct. And when Democrats won 
down ballot in congressional races in 2018, mm-hmm. even a bigger shock. Right. And the challenge for the Democratic Party since that time has been, can you translate that? Can you can you say we're not just winning this sort of temporary top of mm-hmm. the ticket um, victory, but we're going to change the whole political dynamic in the county by winning city councils and right. districts and water boards and, and putting, you know, appointing planning commissioners and, and changing the way everything sort of operates. And the and and that brings us back to where you started this a minute ago, the change of the board of supervisors. Yeah. Even even though some of those were sort of democratic internal fights, that change makes a, a really big difference into how the county looks. Because however you think of Vince Sarmiento or Kim Wynn or Doug Chafee and Sonny Park, right. their outlook is different than um uh, well, you know, who, I guess Steve Vargas was the Republican. Yeah. Or Sean Nelson, you know. Right. So, right. Um, you know, figuring out their predecessors. Right. So it, it makes a difference. And, and, and you know, I, I, I often tell my students, it's not just it's not just the supervisor. It's also the staff that they hire and the outreach that 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 staff is is directed to do and who they're meeting with and who they're hearing from. And and that will be fundamentally different. You know, Doug Chafee having Lachey Rodriguez out in the community is very different than whoever Sean Nelson had when he had that seat. Well, let, let me put out something else for you. Not just is the Board of Supervisors itself and their staff, but the committees and the commissions that the board uh, appoints. Right. The, you know, they're all members of the OC. Yeah. They're all members of the OCTA and, and how it affects transportation in the country. Right. Um, yeah. And, the, and the you know, our, our, our public health, our public health director getting death threats and whether or not we think that that is a serious thing and perhaps uh-huh. related to the rhetoric coming from the dais uh, about masks and vaccines. So, yeah, right. very different. And, and, you know, the even, you know, and I worked for a while at the county employee retirement system. and. Mm-hmm. and you had, um, uh, you know, a decade ago, um, so almost a, a death fight, if you will, between you know the, the board appointees from the conservative board of supervisors versus the employee electeds, uh, right, who represented the employees and the retirees, over how the pension system would work and be funded. Uh, well, that's that's now a twenty billion dollar pension fund. Correct. Correct. Four of those members get appointed by the board of supervisors. That won't happen immediately, but but you'll see all of these. Whether it's the planning commission, whether it's the uh, parks and rec, yeah, uh, the you know the the the, uh, right the trans uh, the transit authority. All of these things have have big changes, and we'll see that we'll see that I think with transportation, Mm -hmm. we'll see that with homelessness, uh, because especially because of Cal Optima and the board of of that. We're we're seeing that already because the board has sort of been forced to that over litigation right. over the last few years. Right. But you see those outlooks change, and it's it's one of the challenges in local government, which is it's hard to pin down who's responsible for everything because right. there's so many joint power authorities and and agencies. You know, your mayor is not responsible for most of what you might hope that your mayor is doing. Right. It's, right. That's being overseen by some, you know, weird authority that, you know, the yeah. road, you know, 
who get appointed in different ways. Different ways, right. Authority, you know, who's deciding how that money is being spent. But the Board of Supervisors has a huge influence over that. And we're going to see changes because it's, it, 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 it is, it, it, it has different priorities. Right. Yeah. Elections have consequences and, and it's going to be interesting to see this direction. And, 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 and you know, I, I've been talking about this for a long time of, I don't know what Doug Chafee does with a majority Democratic because he's never had it. You know, he was in the minority on the Fullerton City Council. He's been on the minority with the Board of Supervisors. He's made those connections and alliances across the aisle, but I don't know what he does. Um, and and whether or not, you know, the, the fact that there's majority or his relationship with Andrew Doe and his anger at not being endorsed by the Orange County Democratic Party, there's a lot of variables that can come into play. And and it's issue specific, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's um it's it's definitely issue specific. It's also not immediate, right? I mean, just because there's now three Democrats on the Orange County Board of Supervisors doesn't mean that right. we're adopting single payer health care in the county <laughs> and, and right. we're basically now Berkeley. You know, yes. we're yes. We're it's now moderate Democratic majority yes. on the board of supervisors instead of a, a sort of a you know solidly conservative board of supervisors. Yeah, and and you know that being said, Doug's you know endorsed Katrina Foley, and I've been at numerous um, Democratic uh, Party events for candidates for uh, Ashley Aiken when she ran for the board of supervisors against uh, Don Wagner. Yeah, and. Um, and Katrina Foley when she was running for the Board of Supervisors. And you consistently see Doug, you know, yeah. asking for Democratic support. Absolutely. Uh, and there's other stakeholders then, the Democratic Party as well, that are are part of what I would think of as more, you know, sort of uh, more progressive in the alliance. I mean, all of the winning supervisor candidates were supported by uh, Central Labor Federation, mm-hmm. the Labor Federation, by the OCEA. And those are important stakeholders for the Democratic Party. So while right. the party infrastructure itself may not have been on that same side, there are important pieces of that right. that all work together. And ultimately, the importance is the relationship amongst Doug Chafee and Katrina Foley and Vince Sarmiento and Andrew Doe and Don right. Wagner as well. Right. I mean, you know, if there will be three to two votes and four to one votes that... Sure whatever the democratic position is loses right sure and you know that's 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 okay that's right. the way government right. works there that's the way it works there are variances yes. but i do and it's and it, like i said it's not immediate but you'll see a lot of changed um outlooks changed positions yes yeah and over time we'll see more of that uh develop as well so one of the saddest uh, outcomes was the the partisan extreme nature of our political uh, races on public education on our school boards, yeah. where we saw really extreme cases. Um, talk a little bit about about those races. Uh, it's this. It, it's hard. It's hard to figure out what is going on there exactly. Part of it is. Uh, there has, there's actually always been a very effective uh, right-wing uh, interest in school boards. And this goes back a long time. 
and it pops up with with energy frequently. Um, and it's definitely popped up over the last you know four years or so. And I think it's sort of been led in Orange County by the County Board of Education. And and there's a number of activist groups that are are right. stoking those flames. And they've jumped on things like the California Healthy Youth Act and uh-huh. uh, critical uh, race theory and anti-masking and it's full of misinformation but those races often get very very much under the radar right uh, they're they're they have always traditionally been thought of as very community i mean we all say that city councils are nonpartisan, but we all sort of check the boxes on who's republican who's not but school boards has always have always been less about that uh-huh. and there is always a, a, a pull that's there. And when you have a race that is, um, and this is true in all local races, but school boards in particular, when you have sort of a limited set of interest groups that are paying attention to it, right. it can have a lot of influence. And you can do it without necessarily being seen. It doesn't get reported on the on the front page of the register anymore. Um, right. And... Uh, and it's also a place where, um, you know, that builds up for the future as well. And 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 it, it's it it is in some ways a, a right place for uh, conservatives to work because Democratic constituents, progressive uh, progressives, are most likely to be uh, younger, right? Uh-huh. So they're your students, right? Uh, single, they don't have kids in schools. Right. Uh, they're not thinking about these things as closely. Um, and so there's a whole slice, to borrow a term, slice of o- of the OC electorate yeah. Yeah. that isn't paying as much attention to a school board race because the school board is working on the kids. Well, I don't have kids. It'll be fine. Right. And, right. Um, and so sort of demographically, it's easier to, to play in. Well, I'm a parent. I'm a mother. Right. You're for the kids. Right. And the kids need something, and that something then takes a, a very conservative turn. Right. Um, right. Brought to light. I mean, there are people that are working on this for sure. And sure. You did see setbacks in, you know, Placentia, Yorba Linda, in Or. Oh, right. And you see challenges in a lot of places mm-hmm. uh, where these things are being uh, being contested, where there's host of, of disinformation and if there's not enough light shine on it it's right to get through it. right um, and, and and i think you know i really think the fullerton observer is one of the main reasons that that the extremists didn't win in fullerton um because that light was shone on it and and kind of exposed um because you had um you had one candidate who was saying all the right things when i listened at the candidate forum i'm like oh Hmm, that doesn't match who endorsed her. That doesn't match what her website says. But if I only listen to this candidate forum, I would be fooled. Uh, and and you kind of got that where people were hiding under the radar and saying the right things. And it felt like buzzword bingo of everybody's for the kids and everybody supports teachers and everybody says the right things and their policies would be very, very, very different. Right. And, and you know, the funny thing is in education, I think one of the, Certainly in Orange County, one of the difficult issues is charter schools. And if you really think about charter schools uh, a quarter of a century ago, 
Bill Clinton talked about charter schools. Charter right. schools is going to bring competition to public schools. Right. And that was going to sort of infuse some of the the free market competition ideas that yes. are, have, have good favor and, and can improve things and, and, and bring that to the to the public schools. And now you've seen that abused for, right. for many years. Right. But exposing that and bringing that to the front isn't clear because the notion of well, we'll have some competition and charter schools, which Bill Clinton liked and Democrats liked. Sure, sure. And the reality is there are good charter schools out there. Absolutely. There there are lots of good charter schools here. Yeah. I mean, Orange County, you know, School of the Arts is amazing. Right, right. And and so how do you then separate the the good from the bad? It takes a lot. And, you know, one of the difficulties, as long as we're talking about election results, you know, this is obvious, I think, to to, to you, your students, your listeners, it's really hard to be a voter. I think I counted oh. up the number of things I voted on. I think it was 38 this cycle. Right. You have to really figure it out because it's uh, hard. You know, it's one thing to know who you want to be president or to be in Congress or maybe even your own city council member. But, you know, who do you want to be your state controller? What does the state controller do? Right. Uh, and and who do you want? And all those judges. Yes. Yes. And 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 as a lawyer, I get asked those questions all the time. Right. Um, right. There's no good answer for how to do how to do yeah. that, how to vote on those. So it yeah. takes it takes a lot of work, and um, you know, spend, and and we also have overlapping districts, right? I live in Tustin, and the city of Tustin is served by three parts of three school districts there's a little right. slice that's orange apparently there's a slice that's irvine and most of it's tustin yeah but you know that's that's got a lot of crossover irvine served by tustin and by irvine and then you've got community college districts and you've got a right. county board of education yeah and figuring out how those get um, i have a whole assignment just for the students to figure out who represents them and and then students transfer between districts too right more and more, more right than ever. Um, you, you could move across the street and and switch districts yeah so it's it becomes very difficult yeah um, to to track these things and figure these uh, all out yeah uh, and so you don't you can't necessarily you can't even say well you know what's my neighbor think or what's somebody else who lives in the same you know general yeah. area the same city as me because they might be in the same city, but in a different school district. Right. Right. So yes. And now with districts, we divide it up even more. Right. Right. So let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about your updates, which were so helpful. So as always, thanks for listening. I couldn't do this podcast without you. A special shout out to my favorite listener, my mom, Peggy Jenkin, who listens to this podcast, even though she lives in Charlotte, California, and doesn't get to vote for 90, 95% of the people I talk to. Um, my executive producer, Ann Watka, who spent years talking me into this. Uh, a huge thanks to the producing team who makes this possible, Jackson Henry and Fiza Valiola. Um, if you haven't listened to Observing Fullerton, you know what to do next. Subscribe and listen to all their past episodes. 
as part of the Fullerton Observer, uh, the podcast team, Arush Naveed, Arian Meza, Bianca Bravo, and our own Jackson Henry, keep you informed about the, uh, the Fullerton community with their podcast. So give them a listen. They've got a great show. Thanks. Talk to you soon.